0: One Among the Sleepless A novel written and performed for podcast by Mike Bennett This novel is intended for an adult audience Episode 9 Chapter 7 Peter sat down As he did so, he felt something digging into his behind He shifted and brushed the seat behind him His fingers touched something hard and sharp. He drew it out and inspected it as the tramp drove up to the junction with the western road and turned right. What's this? Peter held up a crystal of broken safety glass. Dusty glanced over. Glass? I know it's glass. What what I mean is, how did it
1: get here? I tried to clean it up, Dusty replied. But you know how it is. There's always a few pieces that seem to slip through the net.
0: Peter looked at the glass between his fingers, then at Dusty. Did you steal this car? Dusty's eyes were on the traffic ahead.
1: All property is theft.
0: Peter gave a short, derisory laugh. (laughs) Yeah, that's what all thieves say. Dusty said nothing. You did, didn't you? "'This car
1: is mine,' Peter
0: nodded. "'Fine?' Dusty smiled.
1: "'Yes, it gets me around.'
0: "'Er, yeah.' They rode in silence for a short while. Peter was hoping the tramp would make some kind of opening gambit concerning the problem. But after about a minute it became apparent that he was content just to drive. So, Peter began, "Uh, so what kind of help can you offer me? Dusty's gaze remained on the road ahead. What kind of help do you need? Peter shrugged. "I I don't know. What do you charge? Dusty turned and looked at Peter. Charge? Yeah, I mean, what payment do you require? Dusty turned back to the road ahead.
1: No payment.
0: Peter shifted to a more upright position. (laughs) No payment?
1: No payment.
0: Well, Peter scratched his head. What do you live on? I mean, doing things for people and so on. You must get some kind of payment. People?
1: You help people out, right? Uh, You should keep your seatbelt on said Dusty.
0: Peter didn't like the idea of being strapped in with this guy. Uh, I, I don't wear them.
1: You should always wear your seatbelt. Clunk-click every trip. What? Mm, never mind.
0: They drove on in silence for a few moments. Then Peter said, Look, do you, do you mind pulling off somewhere? A side road or somewhere we can discuss things. Dusty shrugged.
1: ''If that's what you want?''
0: ''I'd be more comfortable if if we weren't moving.'' ''You could be late.'' ''I'll take that chance.'' ''As you will.'' Dusty indicated to turn off to the right from the main road and a few turnings later they were parked beneath a tree on a quiet residential street. Dusty reached under the steering column and silenced the engine. ''No key?'' ''Peter inquired.''
1: ''No
0: key?'' Dusty turned in his seat to face Peter. Peter held up his hands. No problem. It is your car, after all.
1: After all?
0: Peter shifted and looked out of the window. He cleared his throat.
1: Um,
0: I guess I ought to explain my situation. Dusty smiled. Okay. Well, there's this house over the back of mine, you see, and there's, there's these blokes who live there, see? Yes, I see. Peter hesitated. Yes, okay, well, there's these blokes and they, well, they're extremely noisy, like I said earlier. Dusty nodded. So anyway, they've been driving me crazy. I mean, fucking crazy, yeah? Dusty nodded again. Peter became more animated as he spoke. It's like every night, or almost every night. Mm, 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 he looked at Dusty. That's bass, see?
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: Every night it wakes me up and keeps me from sleeping. I don't know what to do.
1: Have you spoken to the police? <laughs> the police.
0: Peter waved his hands dismissively. What good are they? "'They just say it's a domestic matter and that they can't do anything. "'They're fucking useless.'
1: "'What about these blokes? "'Have you ever confronted them over this?' "'Again, Peter waved the idea away. (laughs) "'You're kidding.
0: "'These guys aren't going to listen to me?' "'He shook his head. "'They're animals, hedonistic animals. "'I've seen them at night. "'They're like a bunch of raving Caligulas.' (laughs) You wouldn't believe what they get up to. Hmm. Dusty stroked his beard thoughtfully. (laughs) No,
1: Peter continued.
0: If I went down there, they'd probably just slam the door in my face and turn it up even louder.
1: You think so?
0: Yeah, I think so. They're debauched.
1: Dusty nodded. Have you done anything at all?
0: Peter considered a moment. Could he trust this guy? (laughs) Shit, I'm sitting in a stolen car, for God's sake. What's he going to do, drive me to the authorities? Yeah, I did something. Dusty waited. I went round there one night with a can of petrol and poured it through their letterbox. Then I I stuck a warning note to the door and, well, I legged it.
1: Ingenious.
0: Do you think so? Dusty nodded. But... Not
1: successful,
0: Peter slumped in his seat. No, they were quiet for maybe a night, then it kicked off again. Hmm, I can't cope anymore. I need to take some kind of action, but I don't know what to do. You want the problem solved, Peter looked at him steadily. I do. I can
1: solve this problem for you. You can?
0: Dusty nodded.
1: What will you do? Whatever needs to be done.
0: You you don't mean like murder or stuff?
1: Dusty shrugged. Whatever needs to be done.
0: I, I don't think that will be necessary, though. Do you? Not if you don't. Eh? Not if you don't. Right, said Peter uncertainly. I call the shots, Dusty nodded. Like, maybe do the petrol thing, but this time, actually light it. If that's what you want. Well, I don't know, Peter raised his hands helplessly. I don't know what I want. I, I mean, I don't know what's going to work, do I? You don't? Dusty's tone registered mild surprise. <laughs> no. Peter shook his head. You're the expert here, not me. I am. Yeah. You help people like me, right? You solve problems. Dusty said nothing. Peter suddenly felt as though the tramp were scrutinizing him.
1: Hello. You are the one. Peter frowned. What? The one. You are the one.
0: What are you talking about? Are you the one? Peter looked at the tramp with deepening puzzlement. What was going on here? He scratched his head and waved his hand absently. I don't know. What do you think? What I think doesn't
1: matter, said Dusty. Are you the one?
0: Peter laughed nervously. (laughs) I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Dusty pushed himself back in his seat and sighed. He lowered his head slightly. Uh, are you okay? Dusty looked up at him. No, he said quietly. No, I'm, I'm not okay. Peter shifted in his seat. Was it something that I said? Dusty nodded. I'm afraid so. Peter shook his head "'Well, I—' he began, but his voice was suddenly cut off as Dusty reached out and grabbed the back of his head. Peter didn't even have time to gasp as he was pulled violently off balance. He felt a crushing pressure on his face as Dusty's other hand suddenly clamped hard over his nose and mouth, cutting off his breath.' Peter's eyes bulged with shock and terror as he felt himself being pushed down in his seat, his legs buckling beneath him as the tramp's weight bore down upon him. He pulled at Dusty's arms, but they were incredibly powerful. His head felt like it was fixed in a vice. He tried to scream, but he couldn't breathe. The air trapped in his lungs was beginning to burn as he felt his nose suddenly break beneath the pressure. Blood flowed beneath the tramp's fingers, finding its way into Peter's mouth and turning his panic to hysteria. He thrashed desperately within the impossible confines of the passenger seat. His chest heaved, cramping his abdominal muscles and causing spasms of pain to radiate through him like fire. Peter fought back, but already he was weakening. His fingers scrabbled frantically for purchase at Dusty's clothes and hair. He reached out for the tramp's eyes. He managed to claw away the sunglasses before the tramp raised his face beyond Peter's reach. Small clusters of light began to coruscate at the peripheries of Peter's vision. The agony in his chest began to abate and Peter found himself lost in the tramp's newly revealed eyes. There was an expression of sadness there, of pity, possibly even pain. Peter ceased to struggle, He gripped Dusty's shoulders with what little strength he had remaining, his fingers white and trembling as he watched a tear spill from the tramp's eyes and run slowly down the length of his nose. Peter watched from a numb, ethereal place as the tear was joined by another. It fell, slow and dreamlike, a last point of brightness spinning after him as he fell away from this world into darkness. It was shortly after midnight when Dusty inserted Peter's front door key into the lock of Number 13 Wellington Street. He opened the door and stepped into the darkened hallway. Then... Closing the door softly behind him, he turned on the hall light and walked silently up the stairs. When he got to the top flat, he inserted Peter's key into the lock. It didn't fit. Suddenly, the hall light switched itself off. Dusty froze in the darkness. He listened to the silence around him for a few moments before he remembered that places like this have timer switches on their hall lights. (laughs) "'Fool!' he whispered to himself. He quickly groped along the wall until he located the light switch. He found it and pushed it on. Then he returned to Peter's door, fumbled with the small ring of keys until he found another Yale, and then inserted it into the lock. The door opened. He stepped inside and switched on the light. So, this was the home of the man he had mistaken for the one— Dusty shut the door behind him and looked around. He stood in a large, simply furnished room. A small kitchenette occupied one corner. It had a cooker, a fridge, and various cupboards and work surfaces. The rest of the room served as a lounge. A television stood against one wall facing a coffee table and a small two-seater sofa. There was a poster on the wall for a film called Pulp Fiction. Dusty looked at the woman on the poster. She lay on a bed with a big gun. She struck Dusty as being a little too sure of herself, but then again, he reasoned, she does have a big gun. Huh. that helps. In the corner opposite the kitchenette stood a table littered with shallow trays, bottles and photographs. Above the table, extending from one wall to the other, was an indoor clothesline. From this hung a number of black and white photographs.
1: Uh, a photographer.
0: He then turned to look at two doors set in the wall opposite the front door. He crossed the room and went into the one on the left. He turned on the light. A bathroom. Next he entered the other room, again switching on the light. It was a bedroom. But it was more than that. His eyebrows rose momentarily above the rims of his sunglasses.
1: A shrine!
0: All over one wall of the room were pinned a hundred or so black and white photographs. They varied in size, the largest blown up to A4. They were all of the same group of men, and one man in particular, Dusty, raised his sunglasses to examine the subjects of the pictures more closely. They were an ordinary-looking bunch, unoriginal, slaves to the modern style of dress and appearance. Uh, And thought, I'll wager. Dusty noticed the most photographed subject was a handsome young man, roughly in his mid-twenties. Pretty boy. He touched a glossy image of the man's face. The other subjects were of similar appearance, but not as handsome.
1: Clones.
0: He noticed that in some of the photographs the subjects were naked. None of the pictures were posed. In each of them, the subjects seemed unaware that they were being photographed. Dusty moved to the tripod-fixed, expensive-looking camera that pointed at the window like a weapon. For the first time... Dusty noticed the muted sound of music. Its beat was gentle against his senses. He quite liked it. He went to see what the camera had been focused upon. He reached out and eased aside the curtain. Outside, the darkened rear elevations of the houses of the next street dominated the view. Lights shone sporadically across their surfaces. Dusty noticed that the house that backed directly on to the garden of Peter Reynolds' building was where the camera was aimed. He bent his knees and placed his eye against the viewfinder. At first, he wasn't sure what he was looking at. A room, dimly lit with warm colours. Then he saw a man walking around in the nude. He recognised him as one of the men from the photographs. Then he recognised another, He too was naked.
1: Hmm, interesting. What game is this, I wonder?
0: Then he saw the most photographed man. He was naked and smoking a large cigarette. The man sat down and passed the cigarette to one of the others. Then a girl entered. Dusty wasn't surprised to see that she was also undressed. She sat on the lap of the most photographed man. They kissed for a moment, then one of the other men came over to them. He began stroking the hair of the girl, and she turned around and smiled at him. Dusty noticed that the man had an erection at the same time as the girl did. She took the man's penis into her mouth, and the most photographed man began to applaud. Dusty straightened up. So, these were Peter Reynolds' Caligulas. He smiled and drew the curtains. Then slowly he began to get undressed. Once naked, he went into the bathroom to run himself a bath. As the hot water began to fill the tub, he looked at his hands. They were still dirty with the dried earth of Peter's grave. The right one still had black, dried blood around the fingernails. He shook his head as he thought of Peter. A simple mistake— He couldn't blame himself. Peter had had the look of the one. He hadn't been him. But Dusty now felt strongly that Peter knew him, was linked to him somehow, and was therefore sent as a sign. Dusty had followed that sign, just as previous signs had led to Peter. So Peter had led him here. He returned to the bedroom, to the shrine where the one face, more than any other, grinned mischievously from the walls. Thank you, Peter Reynolds. Dusty ran a finger over one of the glossy black-and-white pictures of the most photographed man. Thank you for leading me
1: to the one.
0: Dusty felt great pity for Peter. He hadn't chosen to be a sign. Who would? he consoled himself with the knowledge that Peter had now found peace. His body, unburdened of keys, credit cards and money, now lay in a shallow grave dug at the bottom of a ditch by the railway line. Trees obscured his funeral from the passing trains. There were no mourners other than himself. It was a desolate and rather unsightly spot, but that at least guaranteed rest. Peter wouldn't be disturbed there. A short while later, Dusty reclined in a hot, fragrant bath. Beneath the dense layer of bubbles that topped the water, he could feel the grime of recent times ebbing gently away. He looked at his hands. Both the dirt and the blood were already gone. He sighed and slid down until the water covered his head. He stayed submerged for a moment, then rose, water pouring thickly from his hair and beard. Then he lay back and closed his eyes. An hour later, clean and fresh-smelling for the first time in months, Dusty wandered about the flat in Peter's towelling dressing-gown. It was far too small for him, but he liked the feel of it against his skin. He was looking for a pair of scissors— He found some among Peter's photographic clutter in the lounge. He took the scissors into the bathroom and wiped condensation from the bathroom mirror. His reflection smiled back at him from the glass.
1: So long, handsome.
0: He gathered together a handful of beard and eased the scissors into the damp, woolly mass. A moment later, small clumps of hair began tumbling into the sink. By the time he had finished, the sink was full. End of part one. Who is the handsome young hedonist that grins mischievously from so many photographs? The leader of the pack? The strutting cock? Peter's most hated, or at least most... Photographed man. Whoever he is, the new tenant in Flat 3, seems to feel he's the one. So let's hope for his sake that he is. This episode has brought us to the climax of part one of One Among the Sleepless. In the next episode, we begin the book's second part. I've just been looking through the next few chapters and All I can say is, I envy you. You've yet to experience the pleasure, the thrills, the terror, and the thoroughly rude bits still to come, so stay tuned. The regular music on One Among the Sleepless was kindly provided by Pothole, Lost Dog, and Zero Pilot.